Wait Turn on the radio. Turn on the radio. My homie got a new show and it's time to play it's it though. Play I it hope though, right. you got in tune. He talking bigger business. He make a lot of moves. He talking Skakatoon. I'm saying, wait a minute. Turn on the radio. My homie got a new show and it's time to play it though. We got an extra, extra long show today, which is awesome. How great is that? I'm ready. You Are deserve you? it. I was ready for it. I feel like that too. I feel like there's no reason why I shouldn't have a show all the time. Um, perfect. Uh, so I want to ask you first, since we have this long show, what should we do with our extra half an hour? We should I guess talk that's about like without startups. It's like two minutes. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we should talk about startups. We shouldn't talk about Dane, Dane stuff. Yeah, you want to talk about some on-the-road stuff? Uh, we, we can. I mean, I can go on the road. I, for whatever reason, I never say this to Dane. He's probably listening. I always want to say uh, Dane Cook, <laughs> which I haven't listened to Dane Cook since I was in high school. So like, the idea that uh, that, that is the case is, is pretty inexplicable, to be honest. But regardless, we do have a good show. Uh, Meyer Gupta is here. He is the uh, former VP of growth for Spotify. He is now the CMO of Freshly. Super excited to learn more about that and the journey and just all kinds of stuff. Um, he's been in the startup scene forever. He's a, a fan of Technori, which is always great for me to hear. Been around the the Technori and the tech scene in Chicago forever. Not to age him, just just saying forever in general. Um, and then we've got two companies calling in who you can invest in live via Republic. Just go to republic.co slash register and you can go ahead and do that. Uh, Rob Smith, the CEO of the Fluid Project, is coming in. This one's really interesting to me because, you know, like there's not often innovation in the retail space that is... I guess let's put it this way. It's always, is it online or offline? It's not like an actual like change of change of the guard. I've never heard of this in my life. And when I saw it, I was like, I guess I just want to learn more. It is a uh, non-gender clothing company. So there's no, like, it's not male or female. It's just like, which if you ask my wife, she would say that I, I already shop there. Because uh, all of my clothing is just like the most nondescript things on the planet. But uh, it, it's interesting. And, I, and I'm fascinated to learn what, what drove to get into that. And then also, um, you know, how that works. Like, does, does that make a bigger marketplace? Or does it make a smaller marketplace? Like, how does that work? Either way, uh, let's assume that it's a good pitch and you want to invest in it. You surely can. Also on the show, in the back half of this long show we have is uh, Derek Welko, the CEO of Upsonder. This one's interesting to me because it's so huge. Uh, it's drones. He believes you're going to have a drone on every rooftop and that every person will have a drone that will be automated. So it's like, I want to pick up, you know, medicine from Walgreens and the drone just goes to Walgreens and picks it up. Or, you know, my food is done. Like, cause we, we always talk about the Amazon, you know, stuff and how they're going to deliver everything via drones. And it never dawned on me, I guess I understand why, because like some people can't afford a drone, who pays for it, does Amazon pay for it, do you pay for it, I don't, I don't know. That I guess we'll ask uh, Derek, but it never dawned on me that, that the script could be flipped and that you could actually put your, your, your drone that you own and you send it out to get your stuff rather than Amazon do it. I don't know, and I know that Amazon is like just one of a, a million examples, and so I'm sure he'll say, yeah, Amazon has all of their own delivery, but like you are going to have random things around your neighborhood that you still want to get, and your drone goes and gets it, which is interesting. Right now, it's all FAA-certified pilots who are flying them. Um, I guess he's considering that there's going to be a a world where it is completely automated. I can't argue with that point. So should be very interesting. And then, uh, I don't know. I think Davis, my, my growth manager, entrepreneur and resident, as I call him, is going to come in and join us for those pitches. I th- feel like I'm not aging myself, 
because I obviously I spend every day in this world of like tech and startup, but like I find it interesting to always get a younger person's perspective because maybe they're just less jaded. Maybe that's it. I, I feel like you can say something to me and I've heard enough pitches that at some point I am like, yeah, no chance. Because I, I just, in my head, I'm thinking, like, I've seen this already a thousand times. It never worked. A person like Davis, who may not have heard as many of these pitches, might think, well, it can be done. You just didn't think of it the right way. And you get a whole new perspective. Plus, you know, he's a young guy on their team. So if I can get him to put in extra hours on the weekend, it, you know, I'm not going to say no to that. So with that said, I'm going to take a quick break. This is so cool, by the way, to be able to, to like, slowly go into a break and not be like, eh, I'm Scott Kadoon, this is WGRA. It's just, it's like, I'm so used to being in a hurry. I need to slow down. That's a good thing. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with Mayor, and we're going to learn all about his journey to Spotify and now his journey over to Freshly and what that has in store for the rest of us. I am Scott Katoon. You're listening to WGN Radio AM 720. Welcome back to the Startup Showcase. I'm your host, Scott Katoon. Joining me, am I saying this right? Is it Meyer Gupta? Uh, you know, I think we'll figure it out today together. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Meyer because nobody at home uses that name. Oh, okay. Meyer is pretty cool. My, yeah, I would say yeah, so. That's does sound cool. It's it's a great. You actually have a fantastic name. Oh yeah, thank you. But uh, I guess that's the parents, right? They they're the one that get. Did is. you get to pick it out? Did you just you just? I I'm going when I was one. in the stomach, I said, "Yeah, I like that one." <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, you've been around the tech scene in Chicago for for a long time. Um, obviously, you've had a very very successful career, and it was l- most recently at Spotify, now at Freshly, and I think. I want to like we don't have we don't have enough time in the day to go through all the things that I want to ask you, but let's start off with like what drove you to want to get into this whole world. You know, to be quite honest, I grew up in India, and um, when I was going to to college, doing Your computer, daughters are looking in on you. <laughs> doing computer science was an in thing, and uh, you know, in countries like India, it's a very competitive market, so you have more people than than opportunities and you really have to fight hard uh, academically so that was my entry into technology and engineering now the interesting thing is i happen now to be sitting right at the center of marketing but i grew up as a hardcore technologist uh, which i think has probably got to be a huge advantage for you it it turns out today that it is but uh, it wasn't a planned journey it was you know i'm, I'm i call myself and accidental marketeer and in many ways uh, a massive uh, unfit but um, it happened to me because uh, back in 05 I used to be a Sapien Nitro spent uh, my 12 years there in fact a lot of my core values and my foundation is everything I learned there but in in 05 we acquired a company in Miami called PGI which was an ad tech and a marketing tech company Um, I was asked to lead the product so that was my transition from pure technology and engineering to building tech products for the world of marketing and advertising. And then since then, I've just taken incremental baby steps and just happened to be kind of a reflection of how the industry was evolving, how marketing itself was evolving from the Mad Men days to marketing that is now being held accountable for tangible outcomes and growth. So um, I consider myself very lucky and fortunate uh, to be just crafted a path uh, accidentally. Yeah, I mean, I I guess... It's accidentally, I suppose, for you in some regards, but like we've just changed. The world has changed so much that it's interesting to me because I, I talk to, I don't want to like throw anyone under the bus, but like I talk to some fairly high level CMOs and, and some of them are, you know, are older now and they're literally like they know that, that this isn't, they would never have that role again. And that's got to be a like a tough thing to swallow. 
But now when I meet CMOs at companies, not every company, but particular companies that are going to be in the digital sphere, which is pretty much every company, it's not like you said, the Mad Men people. It's not the like, well, I was a great creative and I spent my time at Leo Burnett and whatever. It's like, that's not your spot anymore. Like the, the CMO job has to fully understand exactly what the world is, or I should say how the world is going to interact with them. And, and like for you, like that's why I say the tech thing was just a huge advantage for you because you talked about the ad tech space. You talk about with your time at Spotify and you'd look at your time at going to be freshly and the traditionalist is going to look at that and be like, oh, you've got to have great branding, which they both obviously both those companies mm-hmm. do. But like they're you need to understand how to carve the right customer journey and like also going outbound with it. You've got to be able to figure out how to reach people in a place that they're not only going to identify Spotify or Freshly, but they're going to know how to respond with that brand and buy something or use it. And that that to me is like if if not 80 percent technical, it's got to be close. Yeah, I think you're, you're spot on. I mean, marketing today is is an outcome of many different functions coming together. And um, I think marketing, science, data, technology, product, finance, these are now inseparable. And yeah. I think a CMO in many different ways needs to have all those facets going deep in one versus the other. And to be quite honest, I think this is marketing is just reacting to where and how the consumers behave and demand. I mean, when you wear your consumer hat, what the consumers demand today and the kind of control and power, access and choice and discovery they have, you really don't have an option but to evolve marketing from the days when you could tell consumer that, look, I'm unique just like the other guy, come buy me, and that happened. Consumers aren't gullible anymore. You know, yeah. they, they know, they can see through, they can see if you're not authentic, um, they can see through if you're just faking your culture. Um, they can see where the true value is really coming from. And if they don't like you, in you know, a fraction of a second, they move on to something else because they have so much access. It's cr- that, That's the part of me that's so crazy. And, and it's unique. I think, you know, talk a little bit about the, the, the journey into the Spotify world. Like, content. So you talk about there's so many different things that you can, like, look at from a brand, from anything, right? From, from any product. Content is everywhere. I, I heard somewhere, and you would know probably the answer to this, but like, I heard that there's five podcasts for every person on Earth. <laughs> that there's literally that many podcasts. Well, I don't know if that was episodes or, or what it is, yeah. but like, the number is so insane that if every person, let's just siphon off business people. If every person scrolled on LinkedIn, they would have at least every second or third friend pushing their podcast or their content or their whatever at you. And then that doesn't even count all the social media apps and and just all the options. How does a company like Spotify come in and be like, we are going to take this market. We've built great tech. We've got all the things that that we need to to attract you. But like, how do you personally come in and be like, here's how I'm going to attract this brand to people and people to this brand? Yeah, I think... um I mean, Spotify, of course, is is doing some tremendous stuff around podcasts. I really can't share much about. Yeah, they've acquired a bunch of companies. Yes, exactly. And um, and I'm pretty sure a lot of these companies, including Spotify and many others, are perhaps not even working in the lab about what's the next podcast. Not in terms of content, but what is going to be the next format. But I think around content overall, I feel there's no dearth of content in the world today. There's a dearth of right content for you as a consumer. Like it's it's mind boggling. When you go on on Netflix and other places, you know, God forbid if there was no personalization, you'll be going bananas trying to figure out, 
you know, what to consume. And, and a lot of the platforms that have plethora of content are suffering through that. Yeah. But I honestly feel that content um, is your strongest lever to reflect, um, you know, what your belief system is, what your brand truly is about, um, to, to create that platform for expression. And content is the only thing that your consumers are consuming and judging you and, and understanding who you really are. And and uh, I think you can pick any single organization today and they can qualify and to call themselves as a content company or a media company. I, I totally agree. We, we have talked to in a numerous number of businesses where they're like, we're looking to deploy this much money into marketing and this and that. And they're like trying to get on other platforms. And it's like, why? Like, I understand if at a certain point, I understand like, you know, Apple spending a billion dollars on marketing. Like I, I get that. But like for most companies, if in the end your, your brand awareness, isn't the most paramount, it's like brand awareness among my target is, and you want to get them a really fancy poppy commercial that you run on Facebook feed that goes nowhere is not going to win me over. What will win me over is your generic, not generic, your specific content that's coming through your page that I can see and be like, oh yeah, you know me. And I think like to your point, that's what made Spotify stand out when all of these things kind of started was that more than the number of types of content, which I know obviously they've paid a quite a fortune for to get, but like it's understanding the right metrics to personalize it in a way that I never search. Yeah, and 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 I think again, this is again going back to the consumer. They are so small they can actually differentiate very easily between what's bullshit and what's smoke and mirrors versus what's what's truly real and authentic. And uh, and I think there's so much science in content, not just in terms of um, the impact of content and what's working, um, but you know, like you said, what content is more relevant for this micro segment versus there. And then as organizations invest more and more in content, they're also trying to identify the incremental value for one type of content versus the other, because it's like a vicious cycle. Once you have determined that last mile, and once you've truly proven incrementality, then you start to invest accordingly. And that is where you start to now score and value different pieces of content differently. Something that was never done, I think, four or five years back, unless unless you were a Netflix that started on this journey yeah. perhaps 10 years back. Well, yeah, definitely. And so like here, I want to start transitioning into like your, your own personal journey, because I, I look at this, and you, you talked about in the beginning, the tech basis, and you were in India, and you're studying, and, and it's very competitive. It's one of the things that I wish that this country would stop taking for granted and would actually compete because we talk about this all the time with like the technology side for uh, we work with with China a lot in the tech side for for just for our company and it's not about cost it's about quality and that's the part that's like how how can these kids be coming up here and have no like there's no drive to c- c- compete to to be better but that's a whole that's a whole yeah I was going to say that's a whole different podcast that's a, that's you can a spend whole, whole other day. podcast we're going to do this this is the live one that's the podcast we'll get you on the podcast and do that. <laughs> The uh, but but where I'm going with this is, so then you you get into the next business, you start working more towards the ad tech side, right? And you start to open and and remove the layers and start to see this like career that could be a very very long and and very successful career for you. And you get the opportunity to go to Spotify, and that's where like everything in my mind has to like boom come together because you're like, I have to use development, I have to use technical skills to make the product good. But then I also have this ability to use content to attract people, not just for the brand, but also like the literal content on it. As you transition into the next part of your career, you have to have taken all of that in stock and be like, how can I use what I learned here for the next thing? And, and set aside Freshly, we're going to spend the whole back first half of the next hour on Freshly, but like uh, on Freshly, sorry. 
but on on Freshy. You don't work at Freshy. Freshly. <laughs> um, but how? what was the thing in your head that was like, okay, I want to take on a bigger thing. I want to do something more with this. Yeah, I think um, the way I look at the world of marketing, which is where I where I sit in kind of growth, because I think those are two sides of the same coin. I don't isolate them. Um, I think about that as a as a complex, not complicated, but a complex ecosystem. Because I think all businesses today are complex simply because there are so many touch points. There's so many uh, channels through which users and consumers engage. There's so many different sub business models that everyone's diving into. And and I feel that that's where my biggest strength or the biggest benefit, the question that you'd asked uh, early on, Scott, is as an engineer, it's given me that systems thinking perspective where I'm able to look at uh, a complex problem and break it into different pieces and assemble them together. That's what engineers do. You yep. know, That's core principles on system and design thinking. And I come at marketing you know, kind of applying that same thing, which is if you're trying to solve a challenging problem, how do you break it apart? So from my standpoint, when I apply an engineering mindset to marketing, I define marketing as three very simple things, you know, in terms of holding marketing accountable for. There are three outcomes that marketing drives. You grow new demand, you capture that demand, and you engage that demand, which in other words is you grow the brand, you grow the user base, you grow the user value. Everything else is mechanics. And sometimes we, we get into this rut of, you know, a lot of things and outputs as opposed to thinking about outcomes. So I hold myself accountable and my organization accountable to deliver these outcomes across three core bubbles. And um, and your point on some CMOs or some marketing functions that aren't that successful is because they hold themselves accountable for either one of these yeah. and not all. Or founders who would say, I want to invest more in brand and less in growth or more in growth and less in brand. Ultimately, at some point you realize these aren't isolated anymore. They amplify each other. And yes, you over-index on one versus the other based on where you are, what stage, what growth stage you are in as a company. If you are in your pre-product market for zero to one stage, many of the startups here in Chicago, we will tell them just focus on growing the business, getting and proving the product market fit because your brand at that point is your product. Your brand at that time is your user base. Once you've gone to the zero to one stage, you cannot get from one to N unless you have that that emotional, cultural, human connection with your user base. I, I completely agree. I, I, this, is, this is another podcast. Like, literally, because yeah. it's, it's so important, I think, that founders and... It's, the world is very different. The founders that started, even when you first got into the, into the world of this, had the ability to do some brand stuff, to do some Facebook ads. To do, it's now, it's like, you've got to do everything beta and figure it out early. And, and earn all of your, your first customers that way organically, and then you have to have a budget to spend across the platform. You can't just pick little places yeah. to pop at. It's, it's, it's very interesting. So we're going to take this. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with the news, and then you're going to come back uh, and join us and tell us all about Freshly and, and how you plug in everything you just said into the future of that. So I'm Scott Gatoon. We will be right back after this. Welcome back to the Startup Showcase. I'm your host, Scott Gatoon. Joining me, Meyer Gupta, CMO Freshly. Speaking of Freshly... Why don't we start talking about Freshly a little bit? So, like, you obviously have had a great career. You've had a chance to continue to develop and grow. Uh, I think it's a natural evolution to become CMO next, right? So now you are that. You are in that chair. You have to be the multidisciplinary. You just talked about all the outputs that, that you can't ignore. You've got to do it all at once. How do you do that? And and tell us, you know, before, I guess, before you do that, tell us about Freshly, what it is, and then let's learn how you apply everything you've learned yeah. to get to this. Yeah, so it's... Um it's, I feel very fortunate, of course, and super excited to be here, Scott, and um, and now 
trying to walk the talk. You know, it's easier to get on stage and write on paper, but but now you have to really live those philosophies every single day. But Freshly is a fascinating place, and I I, I love what we're doing because I believe in the mission, believe in the purpose. Um, I think uh, well, first of all, Freshly is um, is a subscription platform for absolutely freshly cooked meals that are delicious and healthy and convenient and economical. Um, we are now nationwide avail- available starting January, you know, uh, in 48 states. So uh, anybody listening to it, give it a shot. Is this something you cook? Like, you don't need anything special? Like we always talk about, I'm a big Tavala person, yeah. but you got to have the big steam, it, you know, engine or whatever it is. You got to try it, man. It is it is absolutely freshly cooked and prepared. You got to give yourself three minutes to either microwave it, oven it, or heat it up, whichever way you want. You got to not do anything, and you got to trust the fact that um, it's it's incredibly more healthy than what you and I probably are used to eating down the street. Um, there are a lot of things underneath that, and there are 85-watt ingredients we don't use. And uh, For example, you know, our, our fried chicken is not fried but baked. Uh, we may use almond meals, things like that. And, and a lot of best practices that at home I know that me and my wife struggle with. So I know how... how human and how real this is, especially with two daughters. You know, we yeah. think every day about what to give them to, to take to school. Um, and our journey now is how do we evolve ourselves from from this incredibly growing subscription business that is delivering these freshly cooked meals, absolutely non-frozen, to now becoming uh, a wellness as a service platform where you now have you will have in the future coaching and content and build a community around it. So, is that the plan there then? I mean, is like so. I assume they brought you in with a with a plan. So. Yeah, there is there is a vision, and you know, like like every growth stage company, you pivot many different times. And uh, but one thing that we are very convinced about in our belief system is that we we feel we now have a responsibility to create a wellness platform. Uh, but it's it's based on our nutrition. You know, we are we are a vertically integrated CPG company, and that's how we differentiate ourselves. There, there are a lot of so-called digital companies that don't own any assets. Yep. Um, we are absolutely flip side of that. We are actually manufacturing, uh, you know, and freshly cooking our meals and delivering, and um, it sits on top of a belief system that eighty percent of your of your health and well being is influenced by your nutrition intake. And that is where we are playing. So now it is the next five and ten years of the company will be how do you now create an wellness ecosystem around it um, to give you a companion that you can trust and guide you through your nutrition intake philosophy, get you um, premium content that can really help you cook better at home, um, not always just eating freshly. Of course, we don't think that's sustainable. But yeah. how do we become an unbiased and trusted partner for you? It's interesting to me because I hear a lot. I mean, right now I've been hearing a ton about the health, health, everything. Yeah. And, and I don't know if it's because in this country we've gotten to a point where everything is fast food and everything is, you know, pumped in with all kinds of stuff you don't want and everything we have around us is this. And, and people are, the good people and the bad actors are trying desperately to send you alternatives to that because it's like once you hit a certain sort of inflection point with, um, we'll call it the negative. Yeah, it's like very easy to just like bird dog people and be like, no, here's an alternative and push them there. But like, it's very hard to find a good quality product that actually does it. So I think the nice thing for you guys is you couldn't find a more receptive audience than the world we're in right now, as far as like trying to find a healthier option. Um, I don't know if this is makes sense or is relative, but like I look at myself in the entrepreneurial sort of lifestyle being very different from the very traditional nine to five. And it makes it very hard for my wife and I to have meals at the same time and have them together and maintain any sort of fluidity or any sort of um, health in that. 
Um, and I find myself cheating and going out and getting like fast food and like picking up stuff on the way here. And I have solved it somewhat with like Tavala because it's local and I can just like get it. And, sure. I, and they were on the show and they and then they hooked me up. So like yeah. that's another thing. But like where I go with this is I think as we start to advance younger people into this like gig economy, that lifestyle is going to become more and more common. And then we have a like a real problem because now we're not you know breakfast is at seven, lunches at noon, dinners at five or whatever it is. Like now we, we need to like have a solution. And so you guys obviously have something that makes it a lot easier, right? From your standpoint, though, as the marketer and the grower of this business, correct me if I'm wrong, but in my in my hearing of how you describe this, it reminds me of like the Weight Watchers upside down. Weight Watchers first had this platform and they're like, let's get you to coach one on one. We'll tell you how you can do this. And then they came up with food, which has obviously been very successful once they plastered Oprah's name on it. But like, it's to me, it, it always felt not I want to say disingenuous, but felt a little like, oh, here's another opportunity for cash. Whereas for you guys, like, we are a food company. We make food for you. Then we try to help you make the most with it. Am I am I on point at all here? Yes, and um, I think this could be our last question, and we can talk for eight hours on this topic. <laughs> Um, but a few things that you mentioned, I think all, all are pretty much spot on. One is that the world of wellness, wellness and health is, is massively growing. You know, it's a trillion and a half dollar industry and also massively saturated and fragmented at the same time. And I, I see this no different than 10 years back. The Googles, the Amazons, all are trying to come from different place. But at the end, everyone's trying to come at the right at the center of that intersection. And I think that's the same thing happening in the world of wellness, too. You will see players from insurance companies to, uh, to food delivery to, you know, players like uh, Weight Watchers, which, is, which has had their own fascinating journey, to now companies that are taking DNA, that are taking your blood to say, hey, we're going to go and do your uh, study on your DNA and, and your ancestors and use all of that to recommend nutrition intake. The reason why we believe and what excited me to Freshly was – one, yes, that we were owning a core component of this whole ecosystem, a core component of a human life, which is nutrition intake. We are producing it. We're not just stopping at the point of telling you what to eat because, to your point, the biggest barriers for you and I and our kids to eat healthy is, one, healthy has never been tasty. Yep. Two, it is if you are making it tasty, it's, it's absolutely uh, expensive. Yep. It is uneconomical for the normal... And for, usually no longer healthy. And no, and eventually no longer healthy yeah. because it's unsustainable. Two, discovery is a huge challenge. And four, accessibility. So how many people have access to delicious food, you know, which is which is healthy and also cheap enough for me to eat X number of times a month? Yeah. And first of all, there's been a lot of stigma and barriers because there's nobody out there on the street who will say, I, I don't want to eat healthy food, which is also incredibly delicious. So we feel there is such a natural problem and a natural opportunity that is um, that is so core to everybody's life, especially if you think that the amount of money that we are all spending in the 15% of the factors, joining Barry's Bootcamp, joining Equinox, doing all these kind of crazy routines, but we are ignoring the 85% that contributes to our health and wellness. Yep. I, so like I'm a, a huge believer in the... Um you can your a human body or any living organism can take only so much toxin. Yeah. You don't have like it's not it's not like one silver bullet. It's like if you if you work out but you eat like garbage, like in what goes in goes out, right? Yep. I mean, and so I'm of course by looking at I me, mean, you can tell that I do not 
follow my own advice. But like in general, I, I do believe that like you, I can take in a certain amount of stuff before it becomes ridiculous. And, and you're you're dead on. Like the food thing, I don't know that people don't know that. Like the, of course they want to be healthy. Like generally yeah. speaking, part of it is that they don't have self control. That's that's one thing. But the biggest part is just availability, accessibility, which, which is what you said. And and to the point where like freshly. I think we all know how to find a microwave at this point. And so like if you can if you can just have even an address or a PO box, we can get this food to you. And I, I think it's it's very interesting on that end. The other part I th- I see a huge opportunity in uh circling back around this the school conversation again is can you get that into school systems or can you put it in a way where kids can bring it, you know, bring basically lunches in schools? Yeah. Yeah, no, there there are there are a lot of opportunities, and obviously we as a you know we as a leadership team are exploring a lot of different avenues. There is no dearth of um, of demand and opportunities out there, whether that is schools or workplaces. Where I think to the point that you made earlier on, I feel that the the process of nutrition intake on a daily basis, or process of eating, has become so mechanical. Oh, you yeah. know, where the emotion, the joy, the appreciation of the most critical moment of our daily life has gone away. And that is also kind of tied to uh, my mission you know, as a chief marketing officer. And what excited me was not only the, the very functional value proposition and the opportunity from a business standpoint, but from a very human and emotional and cultural perspective, how do you bring the emotion and joy and fun and appreciation back to the three times or the five times we all eat every single day? And uh, and bring more discovery, bring more education and awareness of what goes into a body, because uh, there's nothing more critical, nothing more relevant and important to us than our lives. I totally agree with you. It's it's also interesting to me. I, I can't remember who we spoke with last talking about the fact that food is the great equalizer. All yes. the great decision makers meet over meal. Yeah. All of the peace treaties are negotiated at dinner. The, the lawyers figure out how to how to type it up, but it's. The meal is what always came together. And I this is my personal belief. Like, while my wife and I do not we don't even have a kitchen table. Like we sit we, <laughs> we sit around and just sort of eat as we go. But I do think that like that time together to have a meal is that time to sort of like bring out some of your air grievances and like negotiate and talk through it. And I think that's the one thing that we're really missing in the world, uh, is people to just like hit the timeout button yeah. and, and just reconnect. So we're gonna take one more break. We're gonna come back rack, wrap things up with you. Uh so uh stay tuned, folks. Welcome back to the showcase. I am Scott Katoon, Mayor Gupta. Joining me still, we are talking about Freshly. We were just getting into sort of the impact uh, that you guys are going to have on the world. And it's it's not just the the product and, and the brand, but it's like how people consume it and, and how you're able to make meals important again. And like, don't get me wrong, like, I, you know, it's it's not all about just coming together for dinner. Like that's just a meal. I think it's good to start the day right. You feel good having access to food that's healthy. I think makes you feel better all day. If you do, uh, you know, cut down on diet coke. Talking to myself. Go to the gym. Talking to myself. Drink more water. Talking to myself. Uh, if I do that and have the food, like the chances of me being able to keep this healthy lifestyle going longer. I don't mean living longer that too, but like consistency is huge. The part that I think that that is impactful on the world ultimately aside from just health is like reclaiming that moment of the day that we all used to have where we just stopped where the phone went away the instagram like the the one thing that i've done it a few times i do it when i go to uh, gibson's italian like that's the only time i i take the <laughs> selfie of food because the shot's so good i think it's a bad practice to like sit there and take pictures of your food because like it just institutes that you're still on your phone you're still living digitally like 
reel it back in into the analog just a yeah. touch. Yeah, I think that's a that's probably a broader paradigm, right? I yes. think we're all going through that in every aspect of our lives and where the lives have become intrinsically digital. And uh, you almost want those moments where you're detoxicating yourself from the digital world and just enjoying that moment. Um, but I think um, more more deeply what we believe the other responsibility is, is whichever way you end up consuming it, because I think there are a lot of people who still enjoy the art of taking pictures of what you're eating and, and oh, well, sharing. Yeah. And I just meant like amongst, um, like I, I, I'm not poo-pooing it. I'm just saying it's like. <laughs> I am poo-pooing it, by the way, because oh, I hate God. it. Yeah. I, well, yeah. I mean, well, listen, if we're, if we're being honest, I can't stand it. I can't stand it either. But but I, I like I, I understand the realization that like digital is everywhere. You're going to order this food from freshly from digital. So like, yeah, I, I'm not like a, a hater on it. Obviously, I make a living on it. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I do think that we need to like figure out a way to just tap the brakes. You know, what? what's amazing, what, what's underneath your question, though, is I think it's all about habit creation. Yes. And there is this book that uh, I've been reading, um, you know, from James by James Clear. It's called Atomic Habits. And I think that that book in so many ways and that mindset in so many ways is reflective of what we at Freshly believe, which is, you know, small changes in life have massive impact. And uh, when we think about healthy meal, we don't think about healthy meal if you're, if you're used to having you know, chicken parmesan, and now you make you we make you eat, uh, or we recommend that you now move to broccolis and absolutely, you know, uh, pale your diet. Yeah. It is all about small incremental changes. So uh, we know everybody should know Scott has ten cans of diet coke every week. It's six it's a day. Six but yeah. a day. Oh, six a day. <laughs> no, wow. it's not, it's not six. <laughs> it, it, at one point, it probably was. Now we're down to like. I'm trying to keep it to like one per meal, and that's my starting. That's the that's the incremental change, and then I would like to extricate it from my life. That's amazing. So our mindset. Now I'm not talking specifically for that meal because yeah. I'm not even a nutritional. I'm not even a nutritionist. But just play one on the radio. <laughs> it, yeah, just just for the radio. I'm going to wear that hat for now. But our mindset. We may we may challenge Scott to say, look, out of the three meals that you have a diet coke with, stop having it for you know for your dinner and instead give you a replacement which is a healthier replacement than diet coke but that's what i mean that small incremental changes in life you know small habits those atomic habits will have a massive impact now where i get super excited and i get goosebumps is most of the world is talking about radical changes yeah it's talking about you go from south to north whereas life and sustainability is all about how do you make incremental changes that are more sustainable, that are more joyful as well. And you just have to believe that ultimately each one of these changes are actually underneath having massive impact. I, I completely agree. And I think it's also completely unrealistic and in actuality unhealthy. Um, I'm going to put a stop on my rant before I even start <laughs> by saying, like, I'm sure you've seen this, like this, the world is going over with this, uh, the essential oils thing everybody's yeah. switching everything over and it's like it doesn't even matter where people fall on this whether you like it or not but like in my mind when you go from i don't even know what an essential oil is to like i've cleaned everything out of my house and i'm doing this it's like <laughs> you you have to like be careful with it because it's like I, I feel like it's a there's a, a fine line between a healthy shift that is sustainable and not and yep. it's not about right or wrong i don't care whatever you like yeah what it is is like like anything else in moderation yeah Totally. And that's and that's the food thing. You're 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 spot on with with like where you guys are going. And obviously, I, I know you guys are going to be massively successful because I look at it and I'm like, you're not trying to tell me to be a different person. You're just saying replace one meal. Yeah. Replace one ingredient in one yeah. meal. You know, yes. that's like I'm still going to give you the chicken parm, but it's going to be organic and it'll be it'll you know better chicken, better parm, 
And also, you know, let's throw, I don't know, a side of veggies in there. There you go. That's spot on. The throwing the side of veggie in it is such a simple thing that if I'm, if my wife's cooking at home, we probably don't have access to that right at that moment. Yep. But I think that's the kind of thinking is how do you, how do you bring the joy and the fun back into those meals because without making dramatic and drastic changes, um, getting you along that journey. And then, of course, you can use technology and data and science to get you smarter, to to give access and control to you know in your own hands, so you become more powerful. You have more control. You have more choice. You have more accessibility, as opposed to giving you a set of meals and say this is what you ought to eat three times a day for the next four weeks, and you end up losing X amount of. Well, you, you know, the, I mean, obviously you do know this, but like the, the major flaw in that is that in order to get people to buy anything, it doesn't matter if it's a T-shirt or what it is, they have to look forward to something. Yeah. And so by, by virtue of, of doing this like change, the only way it works is like I've got a wedding on, you know, my wedding, July, uh, July 27th or, or whatever the, the case for you. I have that, like, I want to look good on that day. And so all the suffering from now until then works. Yeah. But then after that, I fall apart. And so you can't sustain that, and you can't get people to want to do it unless they want to try the next thing, which is why I think it's interesting what you guys are doing, because you have a built-in, like, okay, so like I can feel better about myself, and then by the time I figure out that I've changed my life, I already, yeah. it's already done. And, and you know, no, I'm not saying this as a CMO Freshly. I'm yeah. saying this as a consumer of Freshly, yeah. and I kid you not. The way we do that is because... When you are a Freshly customer, or when you are one of Freshly customers, I'm, um, you're not having those meals because these are healthy meals. Many of the meals you're having because you love eating them. Yeah. So there are four out of many, because I don't eat steak, so, but there are four meals that I have cravings to have, if not every, every week, um, then at least every other week. And, and that's the point. How do you bring you know, delight and taste in food that is still healthy and nutritious for you? No, I, I totally agree. So we have a couple minutes here, two minutes basically. Um, I want to know your big, like what is the big thing that you're most looking forward to? You're just getting, you know, not just getting started, but pretty much just getting started over at Freshly. What is the one first thing when you go to that office that you're like, all right, this is my first initiative that I got to get right, build on? Um, well, there's a lot of stuff, but if there is, if there is one um, that really drives me is, I think Freshly has given me the platform to really define the blueprint for modern marketing. You know, that doesn't isolate uh, the craft of brand building, you know, from the science of growth. So I think I have I have a beautiful blank canvas and a playing ground at the same time enough of a scale that Freshly has already provided and created in the last four years and a, and a mission that I as a human can relate to that I can look into the eye of my kids and say, hey, this is where I work and we're adding value. So there's nothing that gives me um, more excitement than knowing that uh, there's a massive opportunity to to redefine a craft that I'm learning every single day. And I often joke with my team that, you know, I'm going back to university and actually get paid for it every single day. Yeah, no, that's a great answer. And I, I have to say, on our way out of this, um, something about everything you've said today reminds me that Freshly could be just like Spotify, but for food. Like, I don't know if you've thought of it this way, but like you're consuming. I think about that every day. (laughs) I'm consuming, you know, sound in my ear to make me feel better or to make me get through whatever I'm doing. And I'm consuming food through my mouth. And the idea is that you're figuring out it freshly how to populate the food that I want in a way that works both my life. 
It's all about discovery and access. It was really just a promotion. You just moved over. You got and it. Thank thing. you. Very cool. This <laughs> is great. Thank you so much for coming. Where do people go to get Freshly and sign up for it? Just Freshly.com and download the app. Very cool. Awesome. Thank you great. so much. Thanks, Scott. All right. We're going to take another quick break, come back with the news. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to the Startup Showcase. I'm your host, Scott Katoon. You're listening to WGN Radio AM 720, as you know. Joining me here now, uh, Growth Manager, Technori's newest uh, acquisition, whatever you want to call it, entrepreneur, uh, Davis Marklin. Davis is sitting here, and he's going to make faces at me, and I'm going to make faces back at him, which you can watch live on WGNRadio.com slash like on air slash live streaming. I don't even know what it is. I'm sure it's there. There's cameras here, so it's got to be there. Uh, we're going to take two call-ins from two different pitches. Davis has been around me to hear a lot of pitches. So he's going to be able to interpret what's going on in my face because sometimes I don't say what's going on in my head. So we've got Rob Smith, CEO of the Fluid Project. Uh, Rob, you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? I can. Okay, so here's how this works. You are going to get one minute to pitch the Fluid Project, and then Davis and I are going to ask you questions about what you're building. How does that sound? Let's do it. Excellent. Let's do it. All right, go All for right, it. First, first of all, let's start off with the opportunity, which is Gen Z, and Gen Z will represent 40% of the spending power in the next two years. And so what I've done is created a brand that uh, speaks to Gen Z, which is really about inclusivity and uh, a brand that speaks to diversity and inclusion. And what it is is it's uh, completely gender-free. It's a gender-free brand that is also an uh, on-site website as well as a location. Right now in New York, looking to expand around the world. And what, uh, what we plan to do is just create a space with part community, part activism, and completely free of gender. Right now, about 60% of Gen Z reject the binary, refuse to like, just shop in strictly male or female area. And not one brand or one retailer has the ability to address this at all. So we're just basically speaking to the values and uh, the importance of Gen Z, what they see as important. And, and that's one minute pitch. Very cool. Awesome. Okay, so yeah, cool. I, I've, got, I've got some questions. I mean, I said this yeah. to start off the show. I mean, I, I, and you kind of actually addressed it in the pitch a little bit. But, like, my initial thought when I saw this was, does it help? that it's gender non-specific or does it hurt in the sense that like there are it is now open to everyone so literally anyone can shop versus i only sell female you know centric things or male centric which then of course loses half the pop or right. is it, there it, like a stigma yeah, no, so like, that's the question. no no i was by no. the end of it was just uh you know or or is it because it's unisex and it's not super specific do you lose out on on those that are that are you know not you know, you know, you know what I'm saying here? Like, those that would go to a suit store might not go there, although maybe they would. I don't know. It's a great question. So, well, first of all, you're never going to capture 100% of the population in any business model that you have. Maybe Amazon might. But, but other than that, though, it's about creating a concept that actually Amazon can't do. So what Amazon can't do is every time you go into any website, any online retailer, you've got to have a binary decision of male or female. I guess the only time you guess you don't do it, you're buying like home or furniture. But when it comes to a fashion apparel, you make a binary decision right away. I'm going to the men's department, women's department. That said, I'm sure that some men are only going to want to wear cargo shorts and polo shirts. But the fact of the matter is some women want to wear cargo shorts and polo shirts. So, you know, it's, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a limitation to what people do and how they allow people to shop. And what the Fluid Project does is opens it up for basically anyone to shop for anything. So it's, uh, it's, it's about having access for everyone to, to be have the ability to shop for anything they want, but it's doing it in a space that's free of judgment and a space that 
just allows people to live somewhere in between the binary. You know, I, I like to do this talk where, you know, where we exist and can exist as a human and a society is somewhere in between the binary that you're not strictly male or female. You're not strictly Republican or Democrat. You're not strictly gay or straight. Like what's the space in between and how do you live that way? So, uh, and then how do you apply that to a retail concept that applies to, that appeals to people's values and um, what they believe in. So talk to me a little bit about the business plan, the business side of this. How how do you make this thing a bigger deal and, and make investors money? Sure. That's a great question. That's what I like talking about the most. So the first year, we opened up a, a retail space in NoHo uh, on a really busy street on Broadway, about two blocks from Soho. And the space itself is about 3,000 square feet with a lower level. Upstairs is a shopping space plus a coffee shop. And downstairs, there's a community space conference room. So we did about a million dollars last year in that space, which I'm pretty proud of. And the website did about 5%. So the opportunity this year is to grow the website. So I really want to invest in uh, – it's an it's a, it's a okay website, and I haven't paid any money in marketing right now. So acquired a little over 30,000 customers. So the goal right now is to start customer acquisition, letting people know that we exist, uh, as opposed to just through uh, word of mouth and building a world-class website. And this is the first website that – will be multi-branded that people can go in and not have to make a binary decision of male or female. And then the next step, we're also looking to start to wholesale the business. So we've got major retailers like Bloomingdale's, Nordstrom, taking up the brand. And uh, and then the fourth category would be um, licensing. So we're starting to already have brands or uh, companies start to want to license the product. So we're looking at a global launch for a uh, fragrance uh, brand uh, for fluid. So, all these categories start to come together, and the business will go from a million the first year to three million the second year to hopefully launching an expansion uh, to the west coast of the country in the next in two years, and then start to look at expansion around the world. So that's what I'm looking. I'm looking at uh, really keeping it tight in uh, as far as brick and mortar, but a huge opportunity online. Very cool. So, do you, just to clarify, so you guys make your own clothing? Is like are you guys the manufacturer of this? Or are you? How does that work? Yes. Yeah, so when I was looking at product that serves this need, which is gender-free clothing, very few people did it at an accessible price point. So I grew up, you know, Mike Macy's, Victoria's Secret, Nike, and Levi. I certainly know how to serve the masses. So when I looked at the brands that were doing this, they were all uh, designer level. So they're all really high price. So I started to create my own product, which is about 40% of what we do. And then we also work with brands like, uh, let's say, Fila, uh, Champion, Levi's, Steve Madden. So we're working at those brands, and now they're starting to create products especially for us. So they're starting to work together with us to create these gender-free capsules. Very and then cool. I do, and, we, and then I do artists and residents. So about twenty percent of the business we do is cultivating and curating new, like local designers and young designers, and giving them a space and opportunity to show their product. And what's really cool about that is like every week the store changes, new new designers coming in. So they only have a, a web existence, so that gives them an opportunity to put their product into a store, and not just any store, but on Broadway in New York City, and bring their uh, their customers in, their their fans, and that continues to build our community as well. So it's got a nice give back component to it. No, definitely. Very cool. Where do people go to invest in this company and also go check it out? Yeah, there's two ways to invest. One is to go to republic.co and search Fluid, P-H-L-U-I-D. And the other is just to reach out to me directly at... Uh, Rob at thefluidproject.com. So what we're looking to do is we wrap up in about 60 days with Republic, and we're looking to probably raise another $100,000 on Republic or 200000 and I'm looking for a $2 million investment right now to take the business and 
really expand the just like push it harder and faster. Sounds good. Thank you so much for taking the time. Is that it? All right, man. Thank you. Good question. Thanks for the time. Of course. Take care. Have a good one. All right. Take care. Bye. Yep. All righty, we're going to take a quick commercial break. I'll come back, and uh, we are going to have another call-in, and Davis and I are going to confer and see what we think on this one. We'll be back after this. Davis, am I too, I don't know, am I, am I too old? I, I want to one, first I want to know on that one, like I get the I get the concept. It's different, and there's there's certainly a, a niche of people that, that will be a perfect fit. Um, but it's that fit that kind of caught me by surprise. Is like, even if you were to be in the non-binary world, the cut of my genes are going to be different than the cut of my wife's genes, regardless of our size. And so like, at some point do you not like, do you just go with this like random recreated sizing? I don't, that that's the part where like do at some point we do have a binary difference. Am I like, is do, does the new generation not see that? I don't know. Yeah. I think, I think there's a distinction between like the biological build and the mental, way you view yourself yeah and so like on the, on the fit question you know you are built men and women are built differently so the the genes or whatever like it's just going to wear differently yeah. so like i don't know how you i don't know exactly who the customer archetype is so i don't know how you like structure that or you design clothes for that person considering that there's a huge could be anywhere on yeah. that, and it's just i feel like it'd be super confusing and you have to really know who your your customer is that's that's my take on it. I, I it's I, I actually like when people come up with things that are like absolutely pushing the envelope and like going contrarian with stuff. That one just was like, I get it. I, 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 I get what he's doing. Like, I don't care what he's doing. The business is retail combined with, with online. Yep. And we have a unique uh, brand that stands out from others, clearly. Um, and we have like a community of artists that sort of inspire the clothing that we make. And so like, that is it. And then the fact that it's, you know, gender neutral really is inconsequential to me from a business investment standpoint, other than I just don't know how you remain that way all the way through. I don't know. It's interesting, though. Yeah, the fact that he did a million, though, last year is pretty good. And it seems to me like what he's trying to do is build out an ecosystem of, you know, you've got the artist, you've got the different labels, he's got his own brand, he's got the retail location online. Um, So if he can do that, and there are people who want to participate that and buy his product, I think, you know, they might have something. We're going to jump from retail and clothing to flying drones very high above our, ourselves. And I know you'll nerd out on this, Davis. So we're going to bring in Derek, uh, the CEO of Upsonder. Derek, are you there? Hi, I'm here. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Scott. Of course. I want to have you do uh, do your pitch real quick. you got one minute to pitch the, the drone future to us. Ready? <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll, I'll do my best. Go for it. So Upsonder is is connecting the world to drone services. Uh, drones are, are taking over our world, and Upsonder is building software and infrastructure to make sure that happens quicker. Uh, Upsonder's mission, we are deploying a drone anywhere, anytime, for any reason. That's, that's our goal. That's what we strive for each and every day. Uh, and today, Upsonder does this with our national marketplace of FAA-certified drone pilots. It's as simple as search and book. And for the future, Upsonder is developing a wireless rooftop charging network to support autonomous drones. Uh, Upsonder is going to be the reason why um, you get your online order in under 15 minutes. Uh, and your listeners, uh, they can go to republic.co forward slash Upsonder if they want to learn more or make a direct investment. Um, but it's our job, what we're doing is to make sure that drone services are easily accessible to the masses. 
Awesome. Davis, do you have any questions off the top of your head? Yeah, so is this like an Uber for drones, just kind of like a drone-on-demand type service? Marketplace 2.0 is, is what we're aiming toward to kind of have that feel and look to it. Uh, Marketplace 1.0 right now, which is out and in, in, in operational, um, is, I wouldn't say on-demand. Uh, you could get a drone pilot uh, for your project uh, in a 24-hour period, but more than likely it would probably be we, we'd like a 48-hour window. But what we're working toward automation-wise, yes, it would be very much on-demand, uh, and it would have that feel of being able to take out your phone, uh, order a drone, whether that's for a delivery, whether that's for some type of um, thermal imaging, some type of topography or roof scan or whatever it is that you need in the future, um, will be the platform to be able to provide that drone service to you. In Marketplace 2.0, where this is automated, how are you guys monetizing? Well, there's there's a, a couple of ways. So um, because we're developing, a lot of people in our industry, um, drones do fabulous things. The technology is amazing. But the one thing that we're all constrained by that no one talks about, our dirty little secret, is power, energy, flight time. Um, you know, these these drones can only fly for about an hour, thirty minute, hour or thirty minutes, and then once you add a payload, it's even less than that. And uh, so that's what we're tackling. That's the problem that we're solving, and we're developing an energy grid, uh, a charging network that's going to be rooftop based, and uh, we're having drones be able to fly from point to point. So essentially, instead of having a drone be limited by a radius a distribution network, let's say like Amazon, um, not all their customers live around a distribution point, so their their drones are, are severely limited to where they can fly. But with, uh, with, a, with a charging point that can go rooftop to rooftop, you essentially can, can fly uh, wherever as far as you want with a drone, and we call that uh, our IF network, which stands for Infinity Flight. And so that's what our goal is to get to that point to be able to design that. One of the things that we're designing that is, we're tackling right now with with uh, software is uh, RTK GPS, so exact positioning. So it's not enough just to say that we're going to have this amazing network out there. We have to uh, position these drones to have centimeter precision, and that's what we're working on. And we've successfully demonstrated our, our GPS or RTK GPS on a moving object, so that's something that can be paired with moving vehicles and whatnot. And we have that on our YouTube page that people can check that out and see our drone with our software landing exactly dead center on a moving wagon. Um, but those, those are the kind of technologies that we're working on right now for Marketplace 2.0. And we're hoping to, for low-hanging fruit, the first iteration of this automation would go toward the real estate industry. So we're hoping by the money that we're raising right now, we're trying to get to a million dollars, is to uh, take some of that for R&D and, and, and for testing and have basically a real estate agent go into our our website, type in the address, and then have the assets delivered to them in about 30, 30 minutes. And so that's what we want to try to roll out by the second quarter of 2020. Very cool. This is awesome. It's I, I love the projects that are just like outside of your like brain where you have to be like marketplace one is this marketplace two is like the tesla network marketplace three is a whole other thing um i appreciate it so one more time if you could tell people where they can go to check out your actual website and product and where they can go to invest so if they want to check out upsonder and they want to actually hire a drone pilot today and they want to see and 
feel what that looks like, that's upsonder.com. That's U-P-S-O-N-D-E-R.com. And that's the actual company itself, and they can go and, and, and hire a drone pilot. If they want to take a little deeper dive into the company, see exactly what we're working on, future technology, they want to make a, a direct investment, they can go to republic.co forward slash up S-O-N-D-E-R. Very cool. Uh, and that's our campaign page where we're raising money today. We have about another two months uh, for our campaign. Uh, and then after that, uh, the campaign will close. Excellent. Derek, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for the time. Of course. Take care. All right. Uh, Davis, what are your initial thoughts on this? And I know it's like a heady one. We're running into the to the end of our, our time here. But if you had to say between the two of those, which ones would you invest in and why? Uh so, business from a from an investor standpoint. Yeah. Um I would invest in the the second one, the the drone one because I think the you already mentioned the Tesla thing. Yeah. I think it's a 130 billion dollar market that just drones right now. Yeah. And if they haven't already realized it, I think that model, it's the real estate model. If you can create a network of charging stations, you can monetize that in a whole bunch of different ways. Just like the, you create a high barrier to entry, you yep. benefit from network effects. Um, you can charge, you can license that network out to other people who want to use your charging stations. And that eventually essentially becomes your biggest asset and that you benefit from. I totally agree. I think the only thing he's going to have to figure out and we're going to have to figure out is the, the ownership of the drones because cars and everything mm-hmm. else are becoming kind of a shared model. And it's like even airplanes at this point are very much a shared model. They might have been the shared model before the car shared model. So anyway, it's very interesting stuff. I, I, I tend to agree with you. I like I like businesses that I can understand like the long play mm-hmm. uh, better. We are going to take a break. I will come back with the news, wrap the show up. And uh, well, thanks for listening so far. Stay tuned.